There we go. <laughs> So, today is about being brave disciples and calling us to a year of courage. So today I'm talking about a vision. A vision because it determines our direction and our destination. Vision tells us where we're going. We can't just swim around doing vision and values. We need to know why we're doing it. Why are we doing all of these things? Proverbs 29 says that without vision, the people perish. That if we don't have a vision in life, if the church doesn't have a vision, we perish. And what does perish mean? It literally means we will die spiritually. We will become that mouldy tin in the fridge that you don't want to touch. We become decaying in our spiritual life. And we don't want that, do we? So we need a vision to be able to move forward in the things of the Lord. And our vision for this coming year, and it should be for our whole life really, the vision for any Christian, is to be a disciple, is to be a follower of Jesus. Discipleship, being a disciple, boiled down, literally means that we follow Jesus. We follow his way, we do his things. In the early church, um, all the, the churches around, they didn't know people by, the, by calling them a Christian. That's something we made up later on when we got more of an institutional established church. They looked at the believers in those times and said, oh, they're the people of the way. They're the people of the way. They're the people that live the way of Jesus. They're the people that live that kingdom way. They're the people that live differently to everybody else. They were known as the people of the way. We are called to be people of the way, to be people that follow Jesus, that our lives look different to the lives around us because we've been adopted, restored and set free by Jesus. We know Jesus. So our life goes in a different way to the ways of the world. Paul speaks about it in Romans where he says, do not conform to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. It's knowing what we live for. We don't live in the pattern of this world. Yes, we adhere to, I'm not saying the Lord government and things like that. We, we listen to all of that, but our lives look different. We don't live in the pattern of this world, but we live to the pattern of the kingdom. Because we are people of the way. We are people who follow a saviour who knows us by name. So the, the vision is to become braver disciples, to become more courageous and to be brave in how we follow. 
follow Jesus. Jesus said in Matthew 28, this is what he tells us we need to do. Go and make disciples of all the nation, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Can you see what he's asking us to do here? He doesn't say, go and get lots of people to church. He doesn't say that. He says, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them into the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. We are to make disciples because we are disciples. That's what God is asking us to do. And Jesus said that when we do that, he does something else. What he has promised us is that he will build the church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. So often we've been wanting to build the church and Jesus to convince people to follow him. We've got it the wrong way around. Our role is to make disciples. To be a disciple that makes disciples and in doing so, God himself, Jesus, will build his church. Oh, and it's the kind of church I want to belong to. It's the kind of church I want to see in this nation. But our role is to follow Jesus, is to be people of the way, is to be disciples. So why do we need to be brave? Jesus promised us one other thing. He said that when you follow me, you will have trouble. That when you follow me, you pick up your cross and you follow the same route I have. There's no shortcuts. We don't get to not know where Jesus went. We might not die on a cross, but we will have to die to ourselves. We will have to die to the things of this world in order to follow Jesus. He promised us that when we follow him, we will have trouble. So if you're being told to follow him, you will get a fancy car. Your life will never be a problem. No one will die. Everything will be fine. That is a false teacher. Because Jesus said, if you follow me, there will be trouble. So that's why we need to be brave. Because to stand out from the crowd, to go against the grain of this world, is to be brave. Is to have courage. We need to be brave to follow the ways of Jesus. So in Joshua 1, we see, I believe, some parallels for us at this time as a church that we are in a time where we could, like Joshua, quite understandably, there's been a trauma in our lives that we could just make camp here. After a pandemic coming out of a pandemic, coming out of all of the craziness, we could say, do you know what, let's just go back to normal, let's just keep things going, let's camp here. But I believe that God is saying to us as a church family that we need to arise and we need to get ready and we need to continue on the journey because he has commissioned us for a plan and a purpose. So we read in Joshua 1.1, it says this, After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, Moses' aide, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then, you and all these people get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land I am about to give to them. You and all these people get ready. Get ready. Arise. Get up. Get ready. But it's this first key point that I want to pull out today. You and all these people. There is a personal responsibility about our discipleship. He says to Joshua, you, you get ready. 
There's a personal responsibility on our lives to grow as followers of Jesus. It's up to you to open your Bible and read it. It's up to you to press into prayer. It's up to you to grow in holiness and ask the Lord to seek your heart. It's, it's up to you to grow in hospitality, to grow in welcome, to grow in turning up and being there. I can't do the you part for you. It's a personal responsibility to grow as a disciple. It's time to pick up our own knife and forks and start to feast on the things of God. It's your responsibility. One day Jesus will return. And if we don't get to see him return right now, one day we will die. And the beautiful thing about death as a Christian is that we get raised to new life. And we have eternity with Jesus. What a wonderful promise. But in that, we're going to have to stand face to face with Jesus. You will. I will. And he's going to ask you, how did you love me? What did you do? Not what rotors you were on and how much you attended church. That's all important. But what did you do? How did you follow me? How was you a disciple of me? He's going to ask you. And as your priest, I don't get to do that for you. That's your job. Your priest won't stand there for you and say, oh, this is Anne. <laughs> She's been a She's a good girl. Um, I remember. I don't get to do that. And of that. I will do that. As a leader, I will have to have an account. This is what you get as a leader. I'll give an account for my life and an account for how I led you guys. That's why I think it's seriously. I'm going to have to stand before God and give account for how I led you. I take it very seriously. One of the reasons I fought going into leadership for so long is because of that. It's your responsibility to grow in the Lord. It's your responsibility to grow in discipleship. It says you and all these people get ready. So it's a responsibility to grow, but our discipleship is articulated in community. So you can't say, like, I've got my thing going on at home, I have a great time with the Lord, but then I don't really go to church, I don't really do these things. Our discipleship is articulated in community. You get ready and all of you get ready. We move forward as a community, as a family, as a people group. God himself, Jesus, when he came to earth, he didn't come down as an alien from the sky and did some individualistic thing, saying, I'm the Lord. He chose to go in the womb of a woman and be born into a family. He chose for his ministry to be articulated in the community. When he, when he was baptized, he went out and he gathered disciples around him. His life was articulated in community. So there's an individual response for us as disciples, but we do it in community. We do it as a family. And the New Testament talks about how people spurred each other on in living the way of Jesus. It often speaks of they encourage one another. Paul, in all his letters to the church, he gave some hard things to say to them, but it is always sandwiched in encouragement. He encouraged the church, keep going in the things of the gospel, keep living for Christ. We preach Christ alone, nothing else. He encouraged the disciples of the day to live for Christ.
encouragement in the Bible, if you look at the root, it literally means to pour in courage. To encourage someone is to pour in courage into their life so that they might live more radically for Jesus. So it's a personal responsibility that's lived in community so we can encourage one another, calls each other to be brave and be courageous in the Lord with one another. And then the Lord says this, you and all these people, get ready. Get ready. There's another leg of the journey coming. The promises and the purposes are still the same. And God states the obvious. I love what God does. Yes, Joshua, Moses is dead. Full stop. I know. I can see. He's dead. But he urges Joshua, don't stay here. Don't camp here. Because the purpose is still the same. Arise, get up, get ready, because the next leg of the journey, you're not in the promised land, Joshua. And I think Joshua and the Israelites could have camped there for a while. They could have said, like, I need a guide. You know, we've come this far, that we do well. And we can do that as church. Kind of white. <laughs> We're nice. We have a few people who turn up now and then. Should we just leave it here? Because everything seems why? I think the Lord would be all right about this. But it's the same call that's on Joshua that I think is on us as a church. That is causing us and calling us and commissioning us to arise and get ready because the next leg of the journey is coming. And I say what I'm going to say next with with love in my heart, St. Michael's, and I include myself in this statement. I said to the Lord, say this over us as a church. I felt them say, St. Michael's has settled in a place that was once good. That as a church, we've settled in a place that was once good. It was a good place, but we've settled there. And we've made camp there. But the Lord is asking us to get ready because the next leg of the journey is coming. The reason that we're in this good place once was good, that we've settled and we've made camping, is because of a few brave disciples in the very beginning, in this place in Mountain, said we need to plant a church there. We need to build a church there. We need to gather people. And these were brave people. People who went out for the Lord. And I think they'd be disappointed if they heard that we camped halfway. That we made a camp here. It was once good. But my fear is that we're perishing. My fear is that we're going to start decaying. If we don't allow the fresh call of God for the next leg of the journey. And I do just want to point out as well why Moses is dead. Moses is dead because he gave in to the wants of people. They wanted to stay here. They wanted water here. They wanted feeding and nurturing in this place. And Joshua felt the pressure of the people so he began to try to water them in this place. And he died because he disobeyed the Lord. And I don't feel that I would be doing my job as a leader if I just tried to water us where we're 
but there's more. And we're to be those great disciples in following Jesus that one day, if he hadn't returned by now, that one day some disciples will be sitting in this room in many years to come. My predecessor, whoever would be leading after me, would be thanking us for getting ready and following Jesus into the next leg of the journey. So it's you and it's us and we need to get ready. And we have a commission on us for this next leg of the journey. He didn't ask him to run in the commissioning of Moses. He gave him a fresh commission, a fresh anointing for the next leg of the journey. And we too have a commission on us as disciples, just like Joshua, we too have a commission. And our commission is found in that Matthew 28, is to go and make disciples. Our commission is to follow Jesus, because we're no longer looking for a promised land, but we're following the one who is the promised land, and that's Jesus. He is the promised land. You want to know what the promised land is like? It's found in the presence of Jesus. He is the fullness of that land. So we're not journeying towards something, but we're following the one in whom has already brought the kingdom here and right now. We're no longer church attenders, but we're kingdom carriers who carry the kingdom, following Jesus. And everywhere he places his foot, he says in Matthew 28, before he tells us to go, he says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. And then he gives us his Holy Spirit. So all authority of heaven and earth is within us. The disciples asked Jesus, where would the kingdom be? But Jesus declared that the kingdom is close at hand. Where is the kingdom? They asked. And Jesus said, the kingdom will be within you. The kingdom is found within the bride of Christ, within the church, because we know the one in whom the kingdom belongs to. His name is Jesus. And we follow him. So his promised land doesn't look like a father's land that we get to enter into. His promised land looks like what he promised in Luke 4. That we will see the captives set free. We will see lives restored and renewed. We will see people come from a spiritual death into a spiritual life. This is what happens when we follow Jesus. There is power given to us as the bride. He is the promised land. And we follow him. And it's not that we have to find that promised land anymore, but we just need to introduce people to Jesus. That's how we make disciples. We live in such a way that we follow him, that others start to follow him also. I want to finish with a story, because I think it gives um, the vision
radically um, giving his life to Jesus and in Rwanda, if you don't renounce your faith, you face death. And he knew they were going to be asking him the following day to renounce his faith. And he knew he would never renounce his love for Jesus. And so he knew he was facing death. Um, he was martyred on that day. And when they went to his room, they found a letter that he'd written, a prayer, a statement, a mission statement, if you like. Um, and this is what he said. I am part of the fellowship of the unashamed. The die has been cast. I have stepped over the line. The decision has been made. I am a disciple of Jesus Christ. I won't look back, let up, slow down, back away or be still. My past is redeemed. My present makes sense. My future is secure. I am finished and done with low living, sight walking, smooth knees, colourless dreams, tamed vision, worldly talking, cheap giving and dwarfed goals. My face is set, my gate is fast, my goal is heaven, my road is narrow. My way is rough, my companions are few, my guide is reliable, my mission is clear. I won't give up, shut up, let up until I have stayed up, stored up and prayed up for the cause of Jesus Christ. I must strive until he comes, give till I drop, preach till everyone knows, work till he stops me, and when he comes for his own, he will have no trouble recognising me, because my banner would have been clear. And my prayer in this time of unpacking our values and our practices is that at St Michael's, as Jesus looks upon us, as our community looks upon us, that our banner would be clear. Our banner would be clear that we are followers of Jesus. We are people who live the kingdom way. Yeah, I okay. 